Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson. Here with me, as always, is Brian Gottlieb. And all the formats kind of stink right now. We're just coming right out with it, huh? We're not even trying to beat around the bush. Just saying it. So I'm going to talk about modern today. And I guess you are, too, since you're here. Yeah, I'll put in a word or two. Okay. Honestly, I don't really mind these formats, but we were talking a little bit pre-cast about how the end game, especially in modern, when we're dealing with Luris and Mistress Bobble and stuff like that, uh, it's all just like kind of scripted, right? Like the early game is a series of exchanges, uh, especially in modern where all the spells are relatively cheap and everything. And then the Luris end game just happens and whoever gets to stick their Luris is basically going to win. And to me, it's sort of disappointing because it sort of invalidates all of the gameplay that has happened leading up to it. Like this was my big, I don't know, like thing that I had against like Felidar Guardian Sahili and like things like that existing in standard, right? It's like, we're playing this nice game and then like the game just kind of ends and it sort of invalidates all the, the sweet stuff that you were doing up until that point. Yeah, you're jockeying only around one specific thing. And then when that thing happens, the end game is reached and the advantage is mostly insurmountable. Like, obviously, there's comeback scenarios, but like if you are appropriately leveraging something like Loris, you're not exposing it ever unless you were in a dire situation. And then you like you probably lost the game somewhere else. You didn't lose because your Loris was answered. You lost because you were unable to efficiently set up stuff. And like... That's a fine game of magic. That's real. And I think, in fact, a lot of people like that game of magic. When I was talking to you before the show, I was relaying a story. When I was prepping for PT Valencia in like 20, what was that, 2013, 2014? It was right around the time that- 14, I think. 14, yeah, that sounds right. It's right around the time that the World of Warcraft TCG ended. And I just became friends with a bunch of people who came to magic from that game. And like very successful players in that, you know, player of the year type stuff, top tier World of Warcraft players. And they love the game. They missed the game. They wish it didn't go away. And one of their points was like, you play these games and then with World of Warcraft, it's about rehearsing an endgame and understanding how to win specific endgames because you always have access to this resource. And so your entire plan is around this resource. And I was like, well, that sounds kind of repetitive. And they're like, no, you just... That's your constraint. That's how you engage with the game. And like I said, they loved the World of Warcraft TCG and bemoaned some of the fact that Magic was missing those rehearsed endgames. So people like this. And if you're someone who likes this, more power to you. I am honestly thrilled for you. It's cool to get to play many different styles of Magic. For me, it's not working, Gerald. It's it's not (laughs) working for me. I want it to. I really do. But It just feels too rehearsed. It feels too repetitive. And I don't know what to do about it. I guess the answer is to play a lot of limited, which is what I have been doing. Playing limited to death. I tried to talk you into a limited show today. I even tried to drum up some data to support it. And limited did pretty well in my poll, by the way. People are interested in limited content right now, but not quite enough for us to pull the trigger and do a full limited show. And I understand why. Uh, So I'm... Not against doing a limited show at some point. I don't think that it should necessarily take the place of our weekly show. Like it should be a bonus episode. And I also think that it should be a fundamentals thing and not necessarily like a, you know, this obscure uncommon is really good in this archetype because I don't think that 
a lot of people are going to be familiar with the text on the cards, which is part of the problem with uh, limited event coverage in general and is like something that we've talked about, uh, you know, probably on the cast at some point, but certainly privately too, where, you know, in order to make limited coverage engaging, you need to have people actually know what the cards do. And if you're not doing a good job of promoting limited and making it important for people to like play the limited formats, then people just aren't going to have that knowledge. Right. So I think it's just like a high barrier to entry in order for us to do a show of like, what's good in Ikoria limited, you know? No, no, you're exactly right. And I understand that point. I, I guess I'll just say a few words to put over the format and explain why I like it so much. And then we can move away from it, but because it's super scripted. Well, (laughs) that happens occasionally (laughs) with the companions. Although, so I I talked with Ifra about the companions the other day and he's very anti them. And obviously I am anti them as a whole. But one point I made was like, if you feel it's important for there to be cards for less experienced players in limited that give them a chance of just spiking against the best players in the world. And like, there's a good argument that is an important part of the experience. Then I would much rather it look like a companion than dream trawler. Because companions, at least, you can contemplate them from turn one and you can try to interact with that strategy. And it's real hard. Don't get me wrong. Like, companions are messed up and limited. Well, but- e- e- even if it's just like, oh, I need to save my removal spell for this Lurus or whatever. Like, that is that is a plan that you can enact, right? Right. And you feel like you have some more agency, even if, like, you right. actually don't. Lurus will just take over the game regardless because they have, like, the corpse churn they were supposed to draft and they did so appropriately. But But anyway, that's besides the point. What I wanted to say is that I like this draft format so much, not necessarily because of the gameplay. I actually think the gameplay is highly variable. There are some very bad games in the format, and there's occasional good ones as well. But the deck building decisions and the drafting decisions are where I really, really like this format. And I could just draft over and over and over and not play the games and build the decks and move on because I find myself constantly faced with very difficult decisions because I think in this format in particular, you are really rewarded for building a deck, not taking the best cards. Yes. And I yeah. love when that happens in a limited format. And would I prefer the gameplay be a little bit less swingy? Yeah, probably. And would I prefer the companions were nerfed a little bit so they weren't as impactful? Absolutely. But there's still a lot of good to be done in the drafting and deck building stages of this format. So I've been having a good time with it. Yeah, I, I currently have two draft decks and a sealed deck on Arena. And it kind of stinks to hear you say that you want to do the building and not the playing because I would I would be happy if you would just finish those for me so I could like draft again. But like yeah, I, I don't I don't really want to play the games. Uh, I've, I've played some and it's it's definitely not repetitive. You know, like there is enough variability in gameplay, at least from what I've seen. Again, small sample size. And it it has been relatively fun, but it's still difficult for me to want to engage with that when I could be building constructed decks for all these various formats. And, you know, like I said, the the formats aren't great, but I haven't dove deep enough into each one of them to actually get tired of it yet. And that includes modern. Like I, I recently fired up a modern league kind of on a whim just because I had an idea and I wanted to see it through to fruition and it, it was fun i'm not sure like how many times i could play a league with that deck and you know just not be sick of it it's it's probably very few honestly but yeah you know like there, there's still work for me to do in constructed and that's always gonna have my attention versus basically any limited format 
usually right there with you. I don't. I I just was caught this time, and I, like I said, I try to ride out the wave when I'm super excited about something in Magic. So uh, we'll see where I'm at next week. Maybe I'm coming back around and joining you in Modern. And you know what? I, I think you made a good point. I actually think like playing a few games with these companions, and even as many games as I have played, I think it's fine. Like I I, I don't hate it right now. The problem is I can extrapolate how I will feel a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, when every single game has been about these cards for all of eternity. And like, it's very easy to understand. I will be frustrated at that point. Right. You see the writing on the wall and I kind of do too. I mean, we're, we're going to do a modern deck dump. There are 71 decks, I believe in this league. This league is from April 28th. If y'all want to follow along, go to MTGO, MTGO MTGO.com. And then there will be a link for deck list. And then you can scroll down a little bit and find that deck dump. And we did a control F for Luris. And there are 30 instances of Luris showing up in these decks. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's certainly the uh, taker of the cake when it comes to the companions right now. But there's going to be a lot of other companions in this deck dump as well. And it, it does appear, I had some data that was shared over in our Discord from... Proggy Boog, I think is how we're pronouncing this. Maybe I'm just guessing at. It, it does appear that modern is actually the format that has been least infiltrated by companions. Uh, they're still in 58% of decks. So take that for what you will. But that's as good as it gets right now, apparently. So there, there you are. Yeah. And I mean, for modern, again, this, like these, these are the league deck lists for Magic Online, right? So like, they don't publish duplicate deck lists. So there are 30 reasonably different Luris deck lists. So yeah. there, there is variation in there between is. here, you know? I, I wouldn't deny that for one second. It's just if, if every game, if every deck has the same end game, then is there actually variation? Like you do different stuff right. early, but you're always playing to the same point. Yeah, well, my, my point is just that like you are abusing Luris in different ways, right? It's like yes. Luris with Goblin Guide and Luris with Death Shadow and Luris just with Mistress Bobble as a control engine or Snapcaster Mage or whatever. So like there are different ways that you can try and utilize that endgame. But yeah, the, the endgame is ultimately like you do some stuff and then Luris gives you a huge amount of advantage that allows you to actually close. So Last Luris stand-in. Uh, basically. So... This is going to take us a while. We've already wasted 10 minutes. I didn't even Shocking. get to talk about the reason I quit Shadowverse, which is the repetitiveness in the end games, kind of like the World of Warcraft issue, but we're just we're just going to skip over that. Okay. All right. First deck list, True Hero. Uh these are these are all 50s from Modern. Again, April 28th is the date you're looking for. Death Shadow, Monastery Swiss Beer with Luris and Mishra's Bobble. So this is like the aggro Death Shadow decks with Become Immense and Teamer Battle Rage. This one also features Crash Through, which for the most part, I think is kind of like a better Teamer Battle Rage. It's also good with Swift Spear. With Luris, you can't play things like Street Wraith, but these folks are making do with just things like Thoughtseize and Mutagenic Growth and obviously Fetch Shock. What happened to our enchantment that we were so pleased with last week? Footfall Crater, right? The Cycling Enchantment? So that's only good, I think, if you are really trying to maximize traverse. And like this, this deck has three copies, but that's basically because you like there there aren't really good threats past Shadow, Tarmogwave, Swiss Spear. But like the the crater, I would not play in my Swiss Spear deck, right? Because okay. 
I want it in the one that is the eight discard spells, maybe stubborn sure. denial, like a little bit more mid-rangey, more controlling. And then that's kind of like your crash through thing. But crash through with Wispier, I think, is just a stronger combination. Word, that makes sense. I mean, you don't get a prowess trigger from cycling. It's it's that simple in my eyes. So I, I agree with you. Crash through makes more sense here. Yeah. And uh, one Seal of Fire also combos with Luris and Tarmogoyf to an extent. Uh, also a couple copies of Dismember to enable the Death Shadows, which I think is a thing that we talked about. Yeah, I mean, this this seems like pretty standard. This is like beat down Luris, I would say, in, in one of its forms. Love seeing these weirdo permanent sources of damage showing up more. Seal of Fire is always one of the cards I've enjoyed in Magic. And I think we'll just be seeing more of these type of effects. Seals, uh, you and I talked a bit before the show about things like Soul Guide Lantern and Pioneer, where I think that card is criminally underplayed right now. Luris is going to bring all of these type of effects to the foreground right. of our minds. Uh, second deck, Drew 647A, Red Green, uh, Tarka's Command with Burning Tree Emissary, Hidden Herbalists, the Bushwhackers, no, no Dryad Arbor, and because there's like some Domries and like Slaughterhorns and stuff, there's no Luris in this deck, although I have seen some Lurises in decks like this. Yeah, I was wondering when I started going through this list if it was going to be an Amori list, just because the creature count was so high, but I think a Tarkus Command and Lightning Bolt probably too important, and Amori doesn't actually do anything here, so nah. this deck is not good <laughs> and it shows up every now and then and can exploit the right metagame but not one of my favorites yeah i mean just on on turn two you're trying to put you know like 10 power onto the battlefield basically and then try and kill them on turn three so like you're a beatdown deck that has potentially faster goldfishes than something like burn but you also don't do the thing where you just like make a lot of decks cards irrelevant where Right. You stop drawing creatures at some point. You start drawing a bunch of like Boros charms and stuff and close the game that way when they have a handful of fatal pushes or whatever. So like this deck is more vulnerable to removal, but definitely way more explosive. I like these Galia of the Endless Dance. I think that's kind of a cool pickup. And then I went looking yeah. for satyrs in the deck and I was like, Burning Tree Emissary maybe? No, it's a Shaman, unfortunately. So yeah. Well, uh, it's, I mean, no it's real also a human. There. Right, right, right. I guess it yeah, can't be a satyr. I mean, satyrs are half human. Come on, give them a, give them a little credit. Yeah, but like Gully of the Endless Dance isn't like you don't get half credit, you know? Maybe you get plus one O as opposed to plus one one. I mean, yeah, I'd be fine with that. If you like share half a characteristic or whatever, you have Seems opposable good. thumbs, you get plus one plus O. <laughs> How long until cards have that kind of wordiness on them? <laughs> the next onset, baby. Right. All right, Jay Dez. Death Shadow, Giver of Runes, Ranger Captain of Eos, Street Wraith, Scholar, Stoneforge Mystic. So Straight up, white-black Death Shadow has Ranger Captain of Eos and Street Wraith and, you know, Batter Skull Swords and stuff like that. So can't play Luris. Don't see any other fancy companion. So, like, this is kind of a, a new take on an old deck, but not utilizing any of the new busted stuff. Yeah, and that makes me sad. Uh, could this deck just be playing main deck Luris? And I also think like that is something that's probably underexplored at this point because yeah. you're so inclined to just go chase down your companion Luris. And I get why. Eight cards in hand is freaking incredible. But there are some decks where you've chosen to make this kind of sacrifice to get your ranger captains and to get uh, – what else are we dealing with here? I guess the street rates as well. So I would just play equipment. some Luris's – yeah, the, the equipment, batter skull, swords. I would just play some Lurises, I think, in the main deck here, and I'm pretty sure you'll get rewarded for that. 
Yeah, I mean, what's what's better, Ranger Captain or Luris? I mean, I'm Seems like pretty Luris. sure it's I'm pretty sure it's Luris. Just yep. just just hard cast that thing, and you're good. And then you can play, uh, you know, Bobble to go with your fetch lands and street race, which might just be correct anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, it's hard to ignore what Loris has done to the format. So uh, I think these decks have to look. They can still exist, but probably just play it as a fair card, and it's still very, very good. Right. Next up. Lee Chan Shuo 670 playing some goblins, uh, matron ringleader, grum gully, metallic mimic, a couple mog fanatics, munitions expert, murderous red cap, putrid goblin, slinking lieutenant, skirk prospector, aether vial. So, just all creatures, some goblins. I assume there's like grum gully, metallic mimic, like red yes. cap, sack outlet. That's a combo, yes. right? Yep. Yeah. Grum Gully adds some, some infinite combos to the mix. And I actually think like that was a big part of what goblins was missing in modern. Like the beatdown plan was never good enough and the mid range plan was never good enough. But once you start putting some combo kills in the mix, I start getting interested in this deck. It's hard for me to envision the scenarios where I want to do this as opposed to humans. Like if I'm choosing an ether vial right. deck, I am probably going that direction. And if I'm not going that direction, then I'm like contemplating spirits because I really want the disruptive elements they bring to the table. So real quick, can you think of a metagame where goblins kind of outclasses either of those? I guess in like the fairest of metagames, I really like ringleader matron in those scenarios. Yeah. And I mean, so humans and spirits are both disruptive in their own way, right? Right. And goblins has basically no disruptive elements, but it does have things like munitions expert. And then you mentioned matron ringleader to go with aether vial. Obviously that's really strong against things like Jund, or we're yeah. seeing a lot of like death shadow type decks with Luris. And I think that this is probably stronger against them than uh, just, you know, a pile of like meddling mages and Thalias that are all probably just going to die on site. This deck has like a little bit more staying power. Even something like a putrid goblin is probably really annoying for them to deal with. Sure. So I could I could see this being better than humans against just straight up Luris, you know? Yeah, and Chalice of the Void in the sideboard as well. Like that's an important card where everything in the format costs one and two all of a sudden. Chalice of the Void starts looking a lot better. So I like that shift as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, humans can also play Chalice. Uh, right. It has has done that before. You have Cavern and Aether Vial to get around it if, you know, Chalice on one ends up messing you up or whatever. But yeah, maybe we should be looking at decks that are able to just like main Chalice and have it be good. Right. Next up, Trellin with Mono Blue Tron. This is not as all over the place as most Mono Blue Tron decks. Like this deck has a decent amount of four ofs and basically has a cohesive game plan and a cohesive sideboard. So I'm impressed. Uh, most of the lists that I see that are doing well on Magic Online are just, I mean, they, they could be Lutri decks, basically. Yeah. Uh, well, this one is not, and I think correctly so. And I will point out four Relic of Progenitus in the main deck. Nice. Also, more Chalice of the Void in the sideboard. So we're already starting to see the format try and account for what the companions do to it and control graveyards a little bit better and control these cheap permanents a little bit better. Yeah, and Relic was already good because of Uro. Right. And that's that's kind of fallen by the wayside or whatever, but seeing four Relic main deck is a thing that should have been happening already. I don't know if Uro has fallen by the wayside. I'm sure we will get a chance to talk about that as we go through this, though, so we don't yes. have to have that conversation now. I mean, it's now Luris is in half the decks instead of Uro. That's all. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll give you that. Like, Uro is still the, the next big thing, I believe. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next deck the pen sword and I am not going to read out all these cards because this is a Lutri deck. This is just straight up blue red 
you know, kind of kind of controlling. Uh, it's got some time warps and some planeswalkers and stuff like that, but a lot of removal, a lot of counter spells, uh, brazen borrower, bone crusher giant, stuff like that. Uh, cool thing about Lutri is that you get to maintain a, a real mana base. So there's like mm-hmm. fetches and uh, shocklands and mystic sanctuaries. So you actually get to do real stuff. Can you envision a point where this deck becomes more than just a meme? Obviously, Lutri has already seen success in Vintage. Now, in Vintage, you're highly incentivized to play a bunch of one-ofs anyway by the rules of that format, and your one-ofs are things like Ancestral Recall. So you're pretty much okay with Lutri there, but can you envision a world where something like this actually works in Modern? I look at this deck and I see a lot of cards where I'm just like, isn't there something better we can be playing? And that makes me think that Lutri is probably not a thing that you really want to be doing, you know, because it's like, are, are you really going to get to a point where you can like Lutri your factor fiction or your time warp or whatever? Like, isn't that just going to take a long time? Like, can't you just build basically what I did where it's like, you know, blue, black control with Luris and just annihilate people. Isn't that better? I mean, obviously there's like meme value, you know, I don't think right. anyone really like sleeves this up and is like, yeah, I broke it. This is the best deck. Yeah, I kind of feel like I am already at the point where I am willing to think about a world where Luris is not just the best thing you could be doing all the time. Sure. Uh, I don't I don't know if that world is coming. I don't know what those circumstances will be like, but I, I have considered it. And your point is fair. While you can do that endgame, you probably should. If there's a world where you can't, I don't know. I mean, Lutri has been so swinging for me every time I've cast it in Limited. And obviously, we're talking very different formats when it comes to Modern. But the effect is real. You can play around it very well. You have some buybacks as well with things like Cryptic Command if it's beneficial to do so. So yeah, at least check it out. I agree it's not going to be top tier right now. Yes, I agree with that. Balliston 93 with green, white, Heliod with... Uh, some Zerda's main and a Zerda in the sideboard. Kind of, kind of funny that, you know, like I don't know, just things like Birds of Paradise and Noble Hierarch. It's like, yeah, those those count as activated abilities. You know, it's yeah. like you you really don't have to stretch too hard to be able to play this as your companion, and it's just not that bad with the rest of your deck. So, especially with like Dusk Watch, Dusk Watch Recruiter, which this deck has as a four of, and a couple of Eldrazi Displacers. Like there are some sweet combos. I think so. This deck looks very real to me as far as an upgrade of this existing archetype. Now, this archetype has had issues historically. I don't know that any of those are erased by the addition of Zerto, but it does seem like it would be more consistent. It seems like you have an ability to play a better game against removal with the Zerta Duskwatch Recruiter setup, which, again, that's what your late game will play towards in those scenarios. Even things like Walking Ballista just becoming this incredible machine gun much faster Right. Seem very promising to me. So I, I like this deck quite a bit. I would put this on my to playlist very, very soon. Uh, I hope it's good. I don't know if we're going to get there or not, but we'll see. What do you think about the Graph Diggers cage in the sideboard? Kind of awkward considering they have four collected companies, but I don't know. Is is there a reason why you would want cage and not like rest in peace or something? I don't. Well, so either one is going to break your Zerda, right? And there is Relic of Progenitus. So it's just strange to me that we rent this route, given how much of our deck this turns off. Mm. I would have to ask the deck builder why this is the case. But if I were sleeving this up, I would just go to four Relic of Progenitus right away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, And there is a split, too. There's two Cage, two Relic. 
So I certainly there's the argument of like cage having a bigger impact against stuff like dredge, right? Like if it, for sure, it's, if it stays there, they just lose. And maybe those are matchups where like, you don't care if you have a companion or not, like you, you just need a hammer. And that makes sense to me. Could be, but yeah. Interesting. Next up we have Golgarber. And this is Hex Drinker, Grimflare, Tarmogoyf, Mistress Bobble, Luris. A couple copies of Unearth, a couple Nile Spell Bombs. As far as like a green black Luris deck goes, I think this one looks incredibly well built to me because yep. you have the pressure that you really want from something like Jund. And yeah, when you're when you're doing Luris stuff, like, you know, maybe you just don't need to play Lightning Bolt. That's that's completely fine. This looks very straightforward, very solid. Little surprised that we're just going to rely on the Assassin's Trophy in the main deck and we couldn't set up some kind of either Field of Ruin or Ghost Quarters. But I guess there just isn't a ton of big mana around right now, so maybe that's not the appropriate concern. I love the main deck's Nile Spell Bombs. I think you get a lot of game from that. Yep. Like you said, it's just, just clean, straightforward, and I bet this deck is quite good right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, Bobble wants you to play a low-ish land count, and you have things like Grimflare, so I would not want colorless lands yeah. when you're trying to flay on turn two, but right. that's that's about the only argument against for me. Yeah, and when we get to the sideboard, we do see three Reign of Tears, so it's not like the matchups aren't being contemplated. And like I said, I, I just don't think there's a ton of big mana right now. Yeah, when I, when I was building my deck, I still prepared for it because it, it just seems like if if half the, the winning decks are playing Luris, and I mean, that's half the winning decks that don't overlap with, I don't know, like 51 of the same 60, right? So right. there's probably there's probably more Luris decks that are winning. It just seems like going over the top of them with something like Tron does seem reasonable. But I mean, when, when they all get lowered to the ground, like Hex Drinker and Grimflare, stuff like that, like I am less happy to be playing something like Tron against a green-black deck that's like that. Mm. So I don't know. I, I don't think it's like enough to to sway the matchup and like make me not want to take the Tron side of things, but it's still interesting. It's also just like Tron doesn't get to really play any of the flashy companions and people are trying out the new stuff because it's sweet. Yes, very true. Next up, we have Yo, spelled the French way, Y-E-A-U-X. <laughs> and this is kind of like the, the same deck that we saw above, Four Bobble, two Nile Spell Bomb. Uh, but this is Abzan, no Hex Drinkers, has Dark Confidant instead, and some Lingering Souls. Path to Exile mostly instead of Fatal Push. So uh, a little bit more mid-rangey and gets to play things like Kataki and Core Firewalker in the sideboard, but still gets to do that Luris stuff. You don't need Lingering Souls when every card in your deck is now Lingering Souls because you have Luris. And- I agree. Those bodies have not mattered for a long time. Like Affinity, long time ago, the way, way back modern that we used to play, it was about Lingering Souls. Things have changed dramatically since then. So I, I do not think Lingering Souls is a modern playable card any longer. I know that will make you sad, Gerald, as you love you, some Lingering Souls. No, but. dude, I, I was I played Lingering Souls because I, I was never like, oh, this is busted. Yeah. Uh, I was, those spirits I was have never, never mattered less. I was never a big Lingering Souls fan. Do you, like, remember when I was playing Shadow? Like, when we pioneered that in Vancouver? Like, I hated the Lingering Souls. I just eventually mm-hmm. cut them. And that's where they're supposed to be the best, is, like, for the mirror match, right? And I'm just like, this just doesn't do enough. 
And if, if there was like a reason for you to play Lingering Souls now, it would be like, oh yeah, because everyone's playing Luris and therefore they're playing like Tarmogoyf and Death Shadow and like, oh, these 1-1 blockers are good and it's good against discard and stuff. But yeah, like the, the way the games play out, it's it's really not that effective. It doesn't do a whole lot. And then certainly when you're talking about things like Tron, it's just a joke. Yeah. And also like people are accounting for graveyards more than they used to. So that makes this card doubly worse. Uh, I don't think you need to lean into this angle particularly hard. Yeah. So I would skip the souls. Foreign Magra. This is an 80 card main deck. You know what that means. It's it's your boy. It's Urian. Love and me some Urian. The, the Urian modern decks are wild. So this yep. is uh, Sahili Teferi Felidar Guardian. Also with Oath of Nyssa, Utopia Sprawl, Oath of Kaya, Bring to Light, Eladomri's Call, a toolbox that includes Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker. Uh, so like a lot of very dope things to blank with Urian. And then the sideboard is just some hammers like Ravenous Trap, Mystical Dispute, Unmoored Ego. And I don't know. I mean, if you think that this sort of setup is good in modern, or if you just want to do, you know, wild kind of like, creature combo-y things, uh, you have a lot of options now. Yeah. I'm not even going to try and say whether this deck is good or not. Like, it's impossible for me to assess. I am confused about why Urian is so often slotting into decks that rely on some very specific cards to do their main game plan. Now, that being said, one of the places where you could talk me into it is in a Bring to Light deck where you do get some extra utility by virtue of your deck expanding a little bit. So Bring to Light combo with Urian, I'm actually kind of into, but I do think Urian has been a bit overplayed in situations where you're trying to establish a combo. Honestly, I'm talking a little bit more about standard than I am modern right now. I I don't get Urian Fire's setup whatsoever. I don't know. We'll see where that deck falls in the spectrum as the format plays out. I think it's going to find a pretty quick descent to the bottom, but maybe I'm wrong. It, it just seems like there's a very specific condition you want to meet with Urian, and that's that all of my cards are so absurd, and adding a little Urian into the mix just is value on top. And it doesn't matter what half of my deck I'm going to draw because all of my cards are busted. Well, to be fair, I think that this deck does a pretty good job of expanding on that, where you have Birds and Noble Hierarch and Utopia Sprawl. So it's not like increasing your deck size means that your deck becomes less consistent as a result. And it does have Felidar Sahili, but it's definitely not leaning on that, you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the problem is I'm overvaluing how much it cares about the combo, and it just isn't all that interested. But like you said, I mean, there's a lot of redundancy. Eladomri's Call being in the mix as well, and bring to light ties all of this stuff together. It lets you play all these packages. So right. an interesting approach to this. I'm just making a general preference statement. I prefer Urian in fair decks and not combo setups, but your point that this may not be relying on the combo, very, very salient. Yeah. I mean, most of the fair decks just incidentally have a combo finish to them anyway. It depends how we're defining combo. Is like, are we just calling Uro a combo now or Urza a combo in and of itself? Cause then I kind of agree, but. Eh, I, I would not go that far. But I mean, as far as like, you know, the, the bird noble hierarch decks, right? Like even talking about the Zerta deck above, like, yeah, you're a Heliod deck, right? But like that deck is definitely set up to play fair games. And then if you combo people, cool. Right. But like going all in on the combo, you know, like the devoted druid decks do generally doesn't work out. You know, it's not really what you want to be doing. It is, it, it's not a, a focal point of the strat. It is very much your backup plan. Sure. 
Next up, McCleskey playing some humans, uh, two Kessig Malcontents, and no real new cards. Where are the, the generals, man? Yeah, no general and no Gigantha either, both of which have seen some play in humans. So, I mean, I guess this is just the moment to say, how is humans in this metagame right now? I, I thought a lot of the appeal was being able to control graveyards with general, so I am surprised to just see a stock humans list like this, more focused on quick kills with things like Kessick Malcontents. Well, I mean, that's that's a completely fine way to do things. You know, like the the Luris, the good Luris setup is generally on turn five, and this deck doesn't really want to get to turn five. And yeah. Reflector Mage is good against uh, Shadow and Tarmogoyf and stuff like that. I would also argue that the General is quite good against those cards too. So I yeah. would still want to be playing that. Yeah, you can't really argue with just like, um, I'm going to get you dead. You know, like that's basically not a bad decision in Modern. True. Sure. So I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I would play some generals, but whatever. And then we got some Hugo 87 with Storm. Fairly stock, it looks like. And no companion. Yeah, I guess you would say the same thing about this deck, right? Just get him dead on turn four. And if the format is going to focus on Luris, then a stack-based combo sounds pretty good. Although I will again mention the focus on graveyards right now and this deck mostly needing its graveyard especially in games one i don't know nah, you, you have a repeal it's fine that's it just <laughs> problem solve one repeal uh i mean you, like you can set up grape shot kills too i mean obviously this deck is is capable of beating graveyard hate uh especially absolutely. in board games absolutely yeah empty the warrens makes it very easy in most instances actually yeah and like we've been saying not enough people are doing the relic main deck stuff right so it's sure. not it's not like you're really going to get punished for playing a graveyard deck, but like the people who play storm are the storm diehards for the most part. It's very right. rare that you're just like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm normally a Jun player, but today I'm going to fire up storm in a league. Like that doesn't happen. No, it mostly doesn't. I know I had a pretty long run with storm before I abandoned it. I am the type who will occasionally just pick it up just for, for old time's sake. I'll usually get destroyed pretty quickly and then I'll put it back on the shelf for another year or two. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way to do it. Uh, we have Raisins with good old Eldrazi Tron, Karn the Great Creator. I am kind of shocked that this card is still seeing a bunch of play without the Lattice because when I was playing a bunch of different Karn decks, I found that Lattice was the thing that I was most often going after and like all the other setups were just like a 20% of the time type of deal where it's like, Oh, I guess I can get my liquid metal coating and it's good here. So I don't know. Karn is, is showing up way more than I expected it to. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I thought that was the end of this card in the format, but still around. I, I, this is probably more about chalice of the void being a good card right now than anything else. Yeah. Uh, if, if anything, I would uh, thumbs up this deck because of things like chalice and the fact that I don't know, reality smasher doesn't really care about your stupid lures. Sure. Tugga Naxos, Bant, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Renegade Rallier, Stoneforge Mystic. I don't know. It's, it's, so it's, it's Bant Stoneblade. This deck Stone is Blade. from 2009, like straight yeah. up. So it's Bant Stoneblade, right? But you don't have Oko, which was kind of a linchpin of the deck. And now this deck has to play things like Renegade Rallier and, I don't know, Vendillion Click and stuff. And those just are not cards that excite me and make me want to like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play Bant. And this deck has four spell callers and no teferis. So 
I don't know. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of both this archetype and this specific list, but who knows? I will share a story. A, a while ago, I was share I was doing an SCD show. I was sharing a hotel room with Matthias Hunt, and he and I started talking about power creep and how so many cards had just been invalidated by recent printings and probably will never see the light of day again. And the number one card, and basically we were trying to make a list of cards to sell because we didn't think they could possibly Vendillion. have value. Number number one card was Vendillion Click by yep. a lot. So very Reason surprised borrower. we see that here. Yeah, Reason seems borrower. better. Seems way better. Yeah, I, there, obviously there are certain metagames, right? If like there's a bunch of combo and you need some more disruption, then cool. That makes sense. Right. Uh, That's but, not the case right now. Yeah, most of these decks are playing on the battlefield to some degree. And I don't know, like, the, the Luris is chilling in exile, man. I don't, I don't know what you expect to do with it. Yep, not taking that one. Take away your Mishra's Bobble. That'll learn you. Got him. Metcalf 23, Mono White, and here we go. Three Luris main deck, super smart. Uh, Judges, Familiars, and uh, Remorseful Cleric with Luris is is pretty tight. Uh, a yeah. lot, lot of lands that kill lands with Leon and Arbiter, so that's good. Yeah, I, like Luris is kind of weird with Aether Vial. Well, I guess if it's in your main deck, then it's fine. But playing Vile with like a companion Luris would be weird. Yeah, it doesn't sync up that way. Although I've seen some of the Vile decks pick up other companions, but this is a yeah. bit of a weird interaction. I mean, I still don't love this strategy, but I do think if you're going to play this strategy, main deck Luris is the way to go. Just always having access to these key cards like Giver of Runes and Leon and Arbiter, it's a big deal. It makes a difference for your deck. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. And this is... This is the thing where it's like, okay, we figured out what to do when Luris is our companion, but what if we're just casting the card? And this is this is probably not the end game of that strategy, right? But mm-hmm. uh, it is it is good to see that other people are experimenting with it and finding success with it. Agreed. Rosansky, a lot of a lot of marsh flats, godless shrines, concealed courtyards. We have some white black rally return to the ranks shenanigans with Alluris in the board because all the creatures are CMC two or less. And I don't know. I got like carrion feeder and serrated scorpion and citrus supplier to fuel, fuel your Luris. So maybe this is a real deck. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, kind of, it seems fine. Like your, your average kill is probably like what turn five would be my guess for this deck. Maybe it's faster than I'm giving it credit for. So then the question becomes like, how is your beatdown? How is your disruption? Your disruption is limited to basically just Tide Hollow's Tide Hollow Sculler. Your beatdown plans are medium. A lot of one power. A lot of one power creatures. Medium, but your sticking power is really good. And yes. if uh, people are interacting with you and trying to kill all your stuff, you completely laugh them out of the room. So yes. if the metagame comes about, becomes about accounting for battlefields, this is a nice way to still play creatures in your deck and sidestep a lot of what's going on. Uh, again, though, Graveyard Hate, consider yep. it. But I don't know if that dooms this deck, but it would certainly be on my list of things to be aware of. Yeah, spot removal is not good against this deck. Spot removal plus Graveyard Hate is, though. Yes. So that's that's what I was going to say about that. But yeah, again, we're, we're probably not there yet, so maybe it's fine. Next up, we have Triosk, Japanese superstar, with green, white, hardened scales. Have you seen the Ozolith in action? No, but I can imagine it gets out of hand very quickly. 
it is quite good. And yeah. uh, Triosk is smartly playing four copies. Uh, also has, you know, some animation modules, a couple Throne of Geths, Path to Exile to go with the White Splash that also casts the Lurus out of the sideboard and everything. Yep. So as far as scales decks go, this one looks like it, it's a very good take. I'm not sure how I feel about the Springleaf drums, especially with so few creatures, but like you got to fix your mana for yeah. Lurus. So. Yeah, it's it's tough for this deck to live after the Mox Opal ban. I mean, you played a bit of scales in the past. I know you were pretty reliant on the acceleration that Opal could bring to the table. So fixing that is a problem. But like you said, the Ozolith, if you ever have this with the hardened scales in play, uh, your opponent's probably dead. Like you'll have to do some math, but the end result is that they have lost. And you notice how quickly the numbers of the Ozolith kept going up and up I'll, like it i'll try like one, one okay of, it's pretty of, good of. i'll oh, play two nope i just want yeah. this card yeah yeah no you just you jam four it's legendary you don't care yeah pretty wild explosive effect and of course the loris factor being able to get to play a longer game this deck doesn't do it as well as a bunch of like the dedicated loris status this is more of a oh free loris situation so you may as well take it right but if if ozolith is accruing counters uh, from your stuff getting killed by spot removal, then Luris eventually with a ballista is going to threaten some amount of like combo kill. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it does just kind of like set up this very dangerous end game. And so again, my experience is like playing this blue black do nothing control deck where I'm just all counter spells and spot removal. And I think I went four one in games against scales. Ozolith was annoying, but like, since my deck was just all spot removal and counter spells, it was manageable. Mm. Uh, but I would imagine for any deck that is skimping on that sort of stuff, but you know, like Jund, for example, but like they're still trying to kill all your oh, stuff. Oh yeah, they're in trouble. Yeah, you, like whenever whenever the shields are down, whenever they have to like tap out for a blood braid if they're still doing that or whatever, it's like yeah, you just get to go like Luris Ballista for one, move all the counters over. What are you going to do? You know, like just machine gun your board down. So uh, it's it's a pretty threatening endgame actually. Yeah, I, I like the look of this. This is the type of deck I would have a lot of fun playing. So maybe it's time for a league with hardened scales. It's been a while. Yeah. Next up, Energiza, 80 cards, 25 land, four Aether Vials, 51 humans, my friend. Wow. There's a Didn't lot of see this humans. one coming. There's a Didn't lot of see this humans. one coming. Yeah, and a lot of them do a lot when you blink them. So kind of some six synergies here. I don't know. Like, what do you think about less consistent ether vial i talked about 80 cards in combo decks is ether vial secretly a combo here kind of i mean the the games where you have vial are much different than the games that you don't so i'm not sure how i really feel about that uh this right. this player does have avacyn's pilgrim which is yep, certainly yeah certainly a worse noble hierarch right but like you're not you're not really losing out on the consistency of having a one mana play necessarily and the mana base is fine. Like they fill it out with reflecting pool, city brass, stuff like that. But yeah, not like the, the consistency of vile is rough. And I feel like if you're getting significant value off Urian, you're probably winning already. Yeah, that is likely true. So I'm not a huge fan of this. Also the cyborg cards, Campbell, Oriok champion, Grafdigger's cage, Knight of autumn. Like they're, they're very high impact cyborg cards and you want yeah. to draw them as often as possible. So Making that aspect of your deck less consistent is not something I'm a huge fan of, but I, I appreciate doing this for science, you know? Yeah, it seems like I, re I respect the value of all the companions. Like, seriously, I'm so past the point of like, oh, giving up a sideboard slot. No, do it every time. It's not even close. 
put the otherwise meaningless companion in your deck. But humans can play Gigantha if they want. And I think that's probably just a cleaner way to do what Urian's doing here. Like you said, the blinks are kind of whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's situations where they will present value for you, but it's more about just having access to an eighth card, a large body, and Gigantha can do the same thing and still maximize your access to Ether Vial. So I would go that route. JOK87. Is it through the Breach Emrakul with some new-ish cards in Fire Prophecy and Omen of the Sea aiding in consistency? Also, four copies of Steve Vents, some fetch lands, and Mystic Sanctuaries to rebuy your Through the Breach against discard spells. So this deck has gotten a little bit better. It's gotten some tools. Yeah, this is an archetype that hasn't been touched in a while, actually. I can't recall the last time I saw anything going on with Through the Breach. And there's some appeal to this deck. Like you are interacting early with your counter magic. Any thoughts on a metagame that this targets particularly well? These numbers are very strange. A lot of three ofs in this deck, which means some things probably have to get ironed out here. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, the only card that is a four of is Through the Breach. Uh, I, I would almost certainly just be playing four opt and likely looking for ways to play additional cantrips in this deck. You know, you have Snapcaster Mage and Thing in the Ice, so... Right. Uh, this deck is generally good if blue-based mid-range decks are strong, but you lack the finishing power against, like, big mana, just anything like Amulet or Tron or whatever, and then through the Breach, Emrakul can KO those decks. Sure. And you would most most generally prefer to just be a normal blue-red deck against something like Jund and not be trying to set up this combo, but with Mystic Sanctuary in the mix, maybe that changes things enough. Like, maybe you can actually consistently through the breach them, because if you do assemble that combo, there's really not a whole lot they can do, right? Like, they just have to keep you off balance with discard. So, I don't know. This, this, This might be viable. Okay. Keep an eye on that one. Next up, we have Be Real 2. Uh, I feel like I should know who this is, but I've I've liked this deck a lot. I've seen it uh, pop up a few different times in these 5-0s. This is Rakdos Luris with Swift Spear, Dark Confidant, Abbot of Carol Keep, and Croxa. Again, we see four Mistress Bobble, two Nile Spell Bomb, one Seal of Fire, a couple copies of Unearth, and uh, Kolagon's Command to rebuy Luris should it die. And yeah, like Abbot... Uh, Swift Spear, Mishra's Bobble was a thing that Patrick Chapin was building around when Abbott yep. came out. And now you you have the lures to go with it. Like it's actually just a good engine, especially uh, alongside Unearth. Love me some Abbott of Carol Keep. Seriously, one of my favorite cards of all time. Uh, and I think criminally underplayed. It's in fun. Basically every format. Yeah. And this is cool. Like this, this is a deck that is doing two things in terms of these Luris disruptive decks. I I think it is more aggressive than the green black setups. So those scenarios we talked about against like Tron, you have a better chance of just killing them, which is nice. Uh, I also think it's actually better set up to play the Luris game because of things like Colligan's Command. It's going to have repeated access to the Luris. And like we said, that's the end game. That's what we're doing here. That's the whole ball game. If you stick that Luris, you will win the game. And I think this deck recognizes that principle I don't have games under my belt with red-black versions. I have played a bit with green-black. This looks better to me, honestly. I, it does. I, I want to do more with this. Yeah. I mean, you, you're playing prowess creatures instead of green threats, effectively, yeah. because you know the, the removal and the discard and stuff, that is mostly going to stay the same. And then, obviously, you have different sideboard cards. But I would just argue that 
the prowess things are better threats and they work better with the engine and, and what your deck is doing with all the mission bobbles and stuff. So bobble Abbot of Carol keep is very nice because yes. you get to see if you should actually, you know, if you have a one drop on top of your deck or if you're missing your third land or whatever, like you just get to figure out if your Abbot is actually going to hit something meaningful or if you should do something else. And it just, it makes that card so much better. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I am into this deck. Sold. Tight. Next up, we have Nils Fit with Jeskai, Luris, Sprite Dragon, Meddling Mage, Snapcaster Mage, and then Counterburn stuff with Mishra's Bobbles. Meddling Mage got much, much better as a card with the printing of these companions. That's did one it? way to trump the Luris endgame. Yes, it did. It matters. So instead of Meddling Mage hitting a card that's in their hand and you feel really good about it. Now you have to meddling mage the outside thing. And because they're playing Luris, they're probably playing a bunch of removal spells and things that prolong the game, which makes it less likely for meddling mage to live. Uh, that means your Sprite dragon's alive. Maybe. I don't know. Sprite dragon is good though. I, I will say like I'm, I'm talking about meddling mage shutting down Luris. But you're playing Loris here, so... Yeah, that's true, too. That, that's an issue as well. That's, that's just good deck building right there. Sure. I don't know. This this deck is is weird. Uh, I am fine with different setups for Loris, like, you know, this Jeskai control thing. I'm not sure if playing it alongside actual threats is the best way to do it, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I... <laughs> I don't have any strong opinion about this deck. I'm not immediately repulsed by it, but I also not registering it anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, next up, Justo D'Angelo Gruel. No, this can't be Gruel. This is like kind of kind of Jund E because there's there's small a small Jund, very yeah. small Jund. <laughs> there's there's two unearths for black cards in the main deck. This is Swiss Spear, Soul Scar Mage, four Seal of Fire, four Tarmogoyf, wow. light up the stage. And then Manamorphose to go with the prowess things and help you cast your Luris. I, I think that's the whole story here. Like, I really don't care how good this deck is. Maybe it's fine. But, like, this is how far you have to go. <laughs> like, you need this companion. You have to play Luris to, for these decks to compete whatsoever. And you're just like, all right, I guess I'm splashing two on Earth and I'll cast my Luris with Manamorphose. Uh, obviously, there's Black Lands in the deck as well, but... But there's there's also three stomping ground and two mountain, you know. So, yeah, yeah. This is this is wild. But I, I mean, if I wanted to play this deck, I I agree. I would go this far to have Loris in it. It is that impactful. But I would also just be like, why are we playing Tarmogoyf instead of Abbott? And then we can just play Rakdos and cut the crappy green cards. Sure, maybe there's a world where that body matters. You know, if the removal is all become size removal and lightning bolt and seal of fire, then you can make a case for it. I, I don't think sure. that's the case. I think I think you see way more fatal push, but yeah. But even, even if your things die and you're doing like unearth Kolagon's command stuff, that's good for you. That right. actually like the worst thing is if they're they're not killing your creatures and they have a way to ignore them, and then your K commands and stuff don't really do a whole lot. Yeah. Anyway, uh, mean fanny pack. Uh, this is Orzov taxes sort of with the Luris in the sideboard. Uh, a couple dead weights to combo with Luris. Also, Smuggler's Copter. Obviously, there's uh, Mishra's Bobbles. A little bit awkward because you have Leon and Arbiter, so you can't like go hard on 
fetches to actually like help the bobble filtering or whatever, but it's fine. Right. And then you have things like Dauntless Bodyguard to actually protect your lures, which is kind of cute. Yeah, that's cool. Wasn't expecting to see that one as we move through the modern deck dump. Again, rapid acceleration of technology. It's all about Loris. Figure out how to protect it. This deck does a good job of that. Giver of Runes, Dauntless Bodyguard. Been a minute since I've seen some Sarah Avengers in a deck, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, also a couple of Bajuka Bogs in, in the mana base. So not a whole lot of ways to like abuse those or anything. They're just raw. They're in there. That's recognizing that graveyards are a problem and... I like, I guess you can just play that instead of wanting to play like a Nile spell bomb or whatever. And that's fine. Yeah. I, I would be inclined to make some room for spell bombs once I decide this is important, but I think, I think this is a good time for incidental graveyard hate, like just controlling the raw number of cards matters a lot because of Uro. So Bajuka Bog is probably better than it's ever been at any point in its history. Likely. Next up, Rai K. This is another Atarkis command, Burning Tree Emissary. Uh, Hidden Herbalist, Galia deck, but Luris in the board yeah. for, for Mishra's Bobbles, which I, I like this take a lot more because things like Domri are not super effective anyway. You know, like the three mana cards like are just kind of whatever. You can just very easily get rid of them and play Luris. Yeah, this deck is a lot closer to like classic zoo, actual wild Nakatl in the mix here, uh, but still the explosiveness of Burning Tree Emissary starts. So th- this is cool. I actually love Zoo as an archetype. I used to play a lot of Zoo in Legacy, uh, and then I played it for like the half a second. It was decent in Modern. So if something like this could come back, I'd be pretty into it. I doubt it, though. I'm always skeptical of Zoo. Humans is the new Zoo. This, this Probably. Is, this is beatdown Zoo, but like this, the Zoo decks I liked were the disruptive ones, not like the, you know, Fire Blast, Price of Progress, whatever. Sure, you were a, a Blue Zoo fan. I mean, I liked uh, Sculler, I guess. I liked going Wild in the Coddle into Sculler. Okay. Next up, we have Irock with uh, Monored, Kiln Fiend. No, no Bobbles to go with the eight one-drop prowess creatures. There's no Luris or anything. So this is this is just Monored. This is an old... Get him dead. An old deck. Can't cast a Companion if you kill him first. I guess. And you can't play Luris with Bedroom Luris. Bedlam Reveler, so why even bother? All right. Next deck, 80 cards. And this, this is the one I liked. Uh, this has uh, Sun Titan, Arkham's Astrolabe, Spreading Seas, Oath of Kaya, uh, a lot of Urian value, Wall of Omens, and a couple copies of a row. I feel like that should probably be higher, but what do I know? Yeah, once you get to 80 cards, it feels like you're pretty safe with the four Uros. I'm pretty sure you always want one but maybe you just don't create enough fuel in this deck, and that's the problem. I, I kind of see that with the way we're set up here. It's been a minute since I saw Sun Titan, too. A lot of a lot of cards being brought out of retirement this yeah. week. Blinking my Sun Titan with Urian sounds like just a delight, and if I can ever realistically do Game. that, I will be very happy. There, there are better cards to blink with Urian, though, and we're going to get to see them later on. This, this is cool. I think it plays second fiddle pretty clearly to other ways to do Urian stuff. Yeah, four copies of Kaya's Guile main deck, though. Uh, again, respecting graveyards. Important. Manuel Daninger, Death Shadow, Snapcaster Mage, Tarmogoyf, Seal of Fire. So we have uh, four color shadow with Alluris in the board. So what do you think about these decks? Obviously, you are a big shadow fan. This is pretty 
stock shadow for the most part, besides the absent absence of Street Wraith and the addition of Luris. So I don't really like Teamer Battle Rage in general. This version is playing Tarmogoyf and two Traverses in what is otherwise a Grixis deck. So I don't know, it just seems kind of all over the place. And I feel like you could just do a better job of figuring out what your plan is and what you want it to be and mm. going down that route. Once you lose Street Wraith, I think Teamer Battle Rage goes down in quality quite a bit, just because you're not as consistently assembling those large shadows and you're kind of consenting to playing a bit longer game. So I understand there's some scenarios where like you can't win without Teamer Battle Rage, like this card ended up in these decks because of things like humans humans is still around so i i get the concession to it but i i agree it's much worse than it's been in the past i mean you can also just play footfall creators right and like sure. crash through and like there are other ways to get trample i realize that you know battle rage also doubles the damage which does matter a decent amount of the time but also against things like humans the plan with this deck is you know luris grind him out right uh, so Kill everything yeah, I wouldn't really want to be on the team or battle rage plan. I feel you. Mechratol, that's a good name. Uh, burn for Mistress Bobbles, easily casting Alurus out of the sideboard with all the inspiring vantages and sacred foundries and whatnot. Uh, so pretty, pretty normal. This is this is like the level zero of the format, basically. Yep. This this is the birthplace of the free Luris, where these decks didn't have to change all that much. Like they picked up Mistress Bobble. I don't know, like Maybe they should have been playing Mishra's Bobble before. It's not It's not even clear to me like that's a direct mistake, but it's a slam dunk once you add Luris to the mix. And this deck is just a fine baseline that everyone has to account for. Yeah, and we're seeing it. There's there's a lot of, you know, Dragon's Claws making a comeback and core Firewalkers and things like that. Like, you have to respect this deck. Agreed. Hugo Freitas won. As foretold, Greater Gargadon, Crashing Footfalls, Restore Balance... No new, new cards, you know, like there's, there's some modern horizon stuff. Decks like this have been around for a while, just like waiting for their breakout version. Not a big fan, really. You know, I love these decks. And despite saying that, I also acknowledge they're not great. I, I hope like, someday they are. I like all these cards not. and I, I think know. that this deck will be good at some point. I just don't think that this version is very good. What is it missing? Like when you play it, it's just like, I, I can't even tell you what the problem is. It's it's fine. It occasionally wins. I see it do very powerful stuff. I just don't know how it takes that next step. Well, right now it's as foretold and restore balance. So you want to combo restore balance with greater Gargadon a lot of the time. And to make your electrodominances and as foretolds not as blank, there's some ancestrals, which is like, okay, you're going to draw more, uh, you know, Charizards and Ace of Clubs or whatever, because all of your cards are just, you know, random things. Uh, but then you're just like playing Crashing Footfalls because it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe Electrodominance into the two four fours is going to beat someone. And it, like, it doesn't. So I, I don't I don't like the fact that they're just very spread out and kind of all over the place. Like if I want to do something like this, I would just play the Through the Breach deck or try and set up As Foretold Living End. Sure get to a place where the plan is more consistent makes sense yeah restore balance as foretold i think could also just be good with the border posts and doing stuff like that so that you're not as reliant on greater gargadon and that's kind of part of my problem too you're like oh i'm gonna as foretold ancestral 
or like make some four fours with crashing footfalls. And then you want to restore balance to like take out their hand and their board and you just can't anymore. And if you don't have Gargadon, you can't get their right. lands. So yeah. it's, it just, it, you have to work so hard to win every game. I feel like. And this deck was secretly a lot better when faithless looting was around, but yeah, so was every other deck. So it just didn't really matter all that much. God, can you imagine looting Luris? Nope. Just game no over. Thanks. Game Pass. over. Uh, next up, Watsi Vendor, Reggie V, Green Black Infect, Starring Plague Stinger, and Alluris in the sideboard. I if you if you want to play Alluris with Infect, I like this take. Yeah, seems completely fine to me. And one of the problems for these Infect decks was oh, all my stuff got killed. I can't do anything. And now you just have an eighth card in your hand that your opponent can't interact with. You wait to play it on turn four. You get an Infector back right away. They have to answer the Loris. Otherwise, you just get that Infector again. So they need two removal spells at that point. Uh, It seems like a huge tool for the long game and does a lot to end the game before other decks can start getting their engines online. So it looks good right now. It's also kind of dope that Loris plus Mutagenic Growth uh, Brick's Lightning Bolt, which is obviously one sure. of the more commonly played removal spells. So uh, the, the Shadow deck that we talked about up top, like the, the very first one also had that combo. So I like that. That's cool. If you can find a way to get that into your one of, one of your decks, then I think that makes a lot of sense. More sacrifices to keep those Lurises alive. Yeah. Gargamel with Abzan, small creatures, and Alluris. This one's weird. Uh, Confidant, Giver of Runes, Hex Drinker, Selfless Spirit, Tarmogoyf, Thalia, Voice of Resurgence, Paths, Pushes. This is this is just Abzan cards. This deck looks strong against removal again. So uh, like the opposing Alluris decks, Jund-ish decks, I think this deck is probably fine. Uh, but I can make a long laundry list of things this deck is actually going to struggle against. So if the metagame becomes very focused on just this Loris setup, then here's your Loris deck for a trump. But I think we can find better decks overall. Yeah, no bobbles too. I mean, you have four Thalias, so I get that. But I feel yeah. like you can't always wait until you have four mana to to you know play Loris and get value from it. But sure. Loris Selfless Spirit is definitely cool. Yeah, more good protection for Loris. E-N-N-U-I-X-D. I think this is like Enui and then the the face, the XD face. Yeah. That's I how know. I would read it. What does that word mean? I've heard that I've heard that word before, I but I don't like, actually know what it means. I feel like it's something bad. A feeling of listlessness and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement. I feel that all the time. That's yeah. that's like my word. That's my life. Yeah. Maybe this is me. Maybe. I mean, they are playing Primeval Titan, so. Yeah, makes sense. And Tatiova. So a lot of creatures, uh, shared summons, one copy in the main deck, 30 lands. The Primeval Titan decks are doing weird things. I've seen versions of this deck that were playing Umori. Those have mostly died out, and this one has a decent amount of spells, but also, you know, just like has a Crisis and some Wood Elves and whatnot. So I don't know. Yeah, not really picking a lane. Better ways to do this stuff, be it Amulet or Scapeshift or wh- whatever you want to do. I, I don't see a lot that's appealing about this particular setup. Yeah. Chewy478 playing Living End with three copies of Season Pyromancer. Other than that, nothing too special. I love the people 
who are like queuing up for a league and they go, you know what? It's time to play some living end. And I don't know how you ever reach that point, how you ever reach that decision. No, that's, that's the storm people. I think it's, like, I guess so. They've just been playing living end forever. Yeah. You don't play living end on a whim, right? Like, but you- like, uh, I, so I, I don't mean this, like, I, I don't mean this meanly, but I know it's kind of, kind of going to come out that way. Like when you're doing the storm stuff, you're like, Oh, I'm solving this puzzle. It's really complicated. When you're doing the living end stuff, you're like, yeah, I cycled three creatures and I played my one spell. And sure. that's enough. Like you're just happy with that. Yeah. I don't know. There, there are good for you. I'm, I'm glad I've known people who really enjoy playing living end. And yeah, I never really stopped to think about it. Like, what is it exactly that you do like about this deck? I mean, when, when I was trying out this deck, uh, when it was well positioned, like, you know, six years ago, I did enjoy the fact that minor sequencing did matter. And like, yeah. you, you know, which land you play out first and, how that's going to affect like, you know, what card you cycle into and whether or not you're also going to be able to cycle that. And like, there were a bunch of minor sequencing decisions that did matter, which I enjoyed, but yes, like when you break it down to just like the actual gameplay, I mean, it was, it was fairly simple. You know what? It's fine. If you enjoy living end, do your thing. I, I'm not I'm mad. Glad you're having it. I'm glad you're having a good time. Yeah. I'm glad that that modern is the place for you where you can do stuff like that and, have it be viable, you know? Yep, absolutely. Ack underscore S, 30 land, Field of the Dead, Valakut, Dryad, Primeval Titan, uh, no amulets, but with Karn. Yeah, this is the spot where you're really missing those Mycosynth Lattice. <laughs> and like, that should be your primary plan. And instead, it's just like random stop gaps. At least you can get a Golos. That's cool in this deck. Sure. Uh, can even get a land. Go get a Darksteel Citadel. Very nice. I do like this better than the last look at the Primeval Titan decks we went to. At least there is a reasonable B plan, but those cards are missing something for sure. Yeah, I mean, th- this one is streamlined, which I like, obviously, but I, s- I still don't know what we're doing. I mean, just play Hour of Promise or something if you want a high impact card. Right. Wischingus, uh green, white, devoted druid with some postmortem lunges and Alluris. So this is the really linear take on Devoted Druid combo that we were saying we weren't huge fans of. Lurus does make it better. It's gotten better against all the removals, so that's good. Not enough to sell me on the deck, though. I I just think these decks are actually quite fundamentally bad. Yeah. Next up, Dylan Fay. I'm a big Dylan Fay fan. Uh, Simic Nexus, Four Wilderness Reclamation, Quaddle, Uro, Archmage's Charm, Cryptic Command, Factor Fiction. Oh, yeah. Remands. Uh, this this deck has been putting up some five O's. Looks decent. You you just you know do your thing until you find your one Nexus, and that's good enough to win. You're not you know trying to like fog Nexus them or anything. You're just like you know the the blue green Uro shell with a bigger end game. Yeah. So I I think this is the deck that Autumn was popularizing for a long time, and they were just crushing with it. It kind of looked like this was going to be a breakout deck for a while. This was in the pre-Ikoria release days. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And didn't really add anything with that set and has kind of fallen by the wayside as people have picked up these new fun tools. But this deck was putting up impressive numbers for a while. So maybe once all the fun dies down, this is worth revisiting again. Wilderness Reclamation, messed up magic card. I said it when it was released. It dub- Doubling your mana is absolutely crazy especially the turn it comes into play. So there's still space for Wilderness Reclamation in Modern. I don't know if this is the end game, but like I said, don't lose sight of this deck. Really nice results for a while. I have, I have a really good Dylan Faye story. I know that 
we're like an hour into the cast and we're like halfway done. But can I tell the story? Because it's gas. Go for it. So I went to Universal Studios with Drew Levin. And we're, we're in line to get some food. And I don't remember exactly, you know, like how, how this started or what, what happened or whatever. But it's like, hi, I'd like this. You know, Drew would like this whatever and like give the dude some money dude gives me change and he's got this name tag on that says dylan and i'm just like oh you know like or no maybe this was like when i'm handing the money i'm just like oh yeah you know like thanks dylan he's like yeah have a fun time you guys i'm like yeah you too whatever and he like gives me my change back and it's more than i expected and he's like yeah i ran my employee discount for you okay good score and i'm just like yo thanks man and i i turn around Cause I know what's going on, but Drew doesn't cause Drew doesn't know this kid, but I do. And Drew is just like, wow, you are so good at this. You just like read his name tag and like <laughs> use his name to build a rapport with him and like all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then the kid comes like Dylan comes back, gives us our food. And then is just like, you know, are you guys going to this tournament next weekend or whatever? And then Drew was just like, oh, never mind. Like, he, he just knows who you are. And I was like, yeah, I know him too. Like, he's a Florida local and he's like got a bunch of mutual friends with me or whatever. But so he thought you were the cashier whisperer, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just for, for like a brief moment, Drew Levin is just like, this dude is a god. Did you know that he had, he like worked at this park or was it just? No happenstance that you ran into. Okay. No, it was just like, we're in line and I'm just like, Oh, that's funny. Like, you know, that's, that's Dylan. I know this kid. So sure. yeah, I just like went up there and he said, hi, I said, hi, we did the all business stuff. And I, I just called him by name because I knew him and I, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think I was going to like get his employee discount. I didn't think that Drew was going to be like, Oh my God, dude, like you're the nuts. <laughs> Right, but just the way it ended up happening, it like <laughs> the, the the swings that Drew went through in in that like ten seconds were just incredible. Love it, yeah. So Dylan Faze gas. Thanks, thanks for the the ten percent off my pretzel or whatever I got. I don't even remember. Next up, Ghost Work Red Green. They they still call it land destruction, and it still has some random pillages in it. But it's just, it's just a glory bringer, Bloodbraid Elf beatdown deck. I mean, there's Magus to the Moon, but I don't know. I thought this was going to become a Luka deck. I'm I'm very surprised it didn't actually. That card seemed quite promising to be in these archetypes, but I, I guess I don't understand what it takes to succeed as a Glorybringer deck in modern. And it's four Glorybringers apparently, not goofy Lukas that can do things like cast Emrakul. We're just here for four damage in the air. That's all we want. Nothing else. Thank you. Uh, I will exert it and kill your Luris. I believe that's game. What are you going to do? Fatal push me, bruh? Scoop. Scoop yeah. him up, I guess. You're you're playing Gruel and trying to splash Luris. Meet my Magus of the Moon. <laughs> Got him. Kinky underscore Gruel with two L's. Don't want to think about that anymore. Yeah, they they are playing Gruel, which is on brand, I suppose. This is right. this is Arbor Elf, Utopia Sprawl, Overgrowth, Lanor Tribe, Nissa who shakes the world, Primal Command, Tooth and Nail with uh, a lot of. A lot of spicy animals. This is something. I'm going to need a minute with this deck as, as I digest all of this. Did you skip the uh, Panglacial Worm that's also in this deck? Oh, no. I was just going to let you get there yourself. This is this is something else. Which I thought was just bugged on Magic Online. but Oh, you think it doesn't work properly? 
Uh, last I remember hearing it didn't, but who knows? Well, no one has ever actually cast a pan-glacial worm, except for Kinky Gruel, who is apparently into that type of stuff. So whatever gets you off, Kinky Gruel, enjoy yourself. Yeah, uh, pan-glacial worm is, is someone's kink, man. Don't, don't kink shame. <laughs> we, don't, we don't kink shame on this podcast. No, enjoy. Yeah, I would expect Llanowar Tribe to be a Nykthos deck, but this is just like Garenbrig stuff. So I don't know. That's cool. Yeah, Nissa. What? Whatever. I have nothing to say about this. I am I am dumbstruck. Super Mario Bro 2005. I feel like I'm supposed to know who this is to you. I'm getting old. Uh, Stoneforge Mystic, Charming Prince, Arbiter, Displacer, Thought Not Seer, 17 mm. Equipment. Uh, this, is, this is not doing anything for me, Gerald. I mono, don't know what we're supposed to be doing here. Mono, White, Eldrazi stuff. So, like, when Stoneforge got unbanned, I wrote this article that had a bunch of, like, Stoneforge, Leon, and Arbiter deck lists, and I was like, I don't know if this is right or not, but people have proven that it very much is. Like, there there are so many deck lists I see that just jam four copies of both of those cards, and they just don't care. Yeah. No gamble, no future. And it seems to be working out for Super Mario, bro. I think there's better ways to do everything this deck does, basically. Uh, Marajani, Death Shadow, Sprite Dragon... Dreadhorde Arcanist, you know where this is going. This is Luris, and I've played against a few variations of this deck. It, it seems pretty good, but I don't know. I like I like my version better rather than trying to like team or battle rage people. There was a period where you and I were very into Dreadhorde Arcanist, mostly in Legacy. I still am. I still am, but... Yeah, like so is this the time it works out for Dreadhorde Arcanist? And now that Luris can rebuy Arcanist, you actually can unlock your thought seizes from the graveyard. Does that mean something in this format? Uh, I mean, Arcanist wants you to play Unearth, which is obviously very good with Luris. Right. So there, there's the definitely- The pieces seem to fit. There, Yeah, there is there is some overlap there for like what you want to be doing. But I think Luris working with Mishra's Bobble makes you want to play Swiss Beer and Abbott. And Abbott plus Unearth is also just as good. So right, I think right. I think Arcanist for the most part is just going to get outclassed by Abbott in these decks. It's funny because this is some of what's going on in Legacy again right now. It is Arcanist plus Luris setups and all like the Grixis right. Delver lists, and they're having a ton of success. So this is kind of an attempt to port it over to the modern space. I like what I see. I mean, like you said, the Teamer Battle Rage stuff is meh. And I think the jury's still out on Death Shadow minus the street rates. I don't know how important they actually were to making Death Shadow reliable. I know that when I was sharing my first mono black Death Shadow list built around Luris, the fact that I was not playing street wraith made people's heads explode. They just had no idea what I was doing. No sacred cows, man. Yeah, that's always been my take. And I I, I do think it matters. It makes your Death Shadows worse. Does it though? When everyone's playing burn, you just get pre-boarded. It's great. Well, yeah, there is some of that interaction going on right now, which is always nice to reap the benefits of. Easy Mud 1, four-color control, you know, Rain 6, Ice Fang Quaddle, Fatal Push, Luris. Basically, I took this deck and cut all the the nonsense, and that's how I ended up on Demir. Okay. And I think that that deck is quite good. This one, I'm sure, is good. Uh, Astrolabe is doing a lot of work, obviously, allowing you to play mm-hmm. things like Ren and Six and Ice Fang Quaddle alongside Luris, but I don't know. I just, I don't think that you need to go down that route of playing kind of like all this nonsense. I think you can just streamline it a bit. 
Right. I, I don't think Ren and Six matters all that much. That's my biggest problem with this. And certainly there's like creature configurations where it could start to matter a lot and where there's a ton of Ice Fang Quaddles and we're talking about Abbott showing up. So so maybe there's a world where Ren and Six does matter a bunch. Right now, though, I'd rather keep a cleaner mana base and not stretch quite this far. Yeah, I mean, you really don't need Kologon's Command when you have Unearth and like Seal of Fire is cute, but again, you don't really need it. If you really wanted that sort of thing, you could just play like a Deadweight, which some people have done. So mm-hmm. I'm not sold. And then we have uh, Fanoop playing your favorite deck, Logrishol Brand. Nissa, Steward of Elements, making an appearance. No idea why, but it just crossed my mind that your boy, Matsugan, won a PTQ with Neobrand. Basically, the first win ever for Neo brand of anything. And there was much rejoicing around the community because everyone was like, okay, can we now ban this deck? Like, can we, can we be <laughs> done with this now that someone has finally succeeded? When was this? Uh, I, I, I must've missed this one. A week ago, week and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. If it was a while ago, I might've, I might've just missed it. That might've been, I don't know when I was like. In the really, final fantasy hole. No, just like really, really quarantining myself and just like being off the internet. Uh, okay. But but that's gas. Matsugin is awesome. Has been playing that deck for a very long time. Yeah, for sure. I, I think of you know uh, him and Final Noob as kind of the two stewards of that archetype. Steward, so, steward very of cool. elements. The steward of elements of that archetype. Yes. So very cool to see that result. But uh, done with this deck. Can we not do this anymore, please? And thank you, Carl. Nineteen ninety one. I wonder how old Carl is. Scales but green black which is normal but i think that the the green white version makes a lot of sense got those four ozolith in there no surprise yep smart uh all of our hearts this one this person i do actually know and no surprise to see him rocking a little grixis strat so this is shadow snapcaster mage couple croxas unearth bobble lurus in the board obviously uh i like i like jessup's list better than you know, the Sprite Dragon ones and the Dreadhorde Horde Arcanist and stuff like yeah. this. This feels more well thought out to me. I always expect that from a Jessup list. Always very clean. You you know, all the spots are well considered. So you could do much worse than just picking up this deck for a tournament. Yep. Shizok Chan. Umbral Mantle in the house. Uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Umbral Mantle what? combos with Zerda for infinite mana. Okay. Because I was like, what? Aren't there supposed to be like devoted druids in here? And they're, yeah, there's mm-hmm. just not. Don't don't need them anymore. Now you get to play Umbral Mantle instead and find it with your Stoneforge Mystic, and then you get a bifurcated game plan a little bit. Where if your Batter Skull and Sword of Feast and Famine are good enough, that can be enough. Okay, so, uh, this is I was, interesting. I was expecting uh, both basically, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, this deck looks like it has a fine B plan of like some beat downs. Get a Shalai going equip something, and then you just have this infinite combo out of nowhere. How good is Dromoka's command in this format right now? I would have to think about that for a moment. Yeah, I don't think very. I mean, this deck has Knight of the Reliquary, but other than that, it doesn't have a lot of big bodies to actually make it yeah. relevant. But I guess if you're talking about, like, you know, there's a lot of burn decks, I mean, that's one of the strongest cards you can have against them. Blink Moth Nexus. We can do something with these Blink Moth Nexuses, can't we? Like well, if they wear an Umbral Mantle, then... Yeah. Well, the, the the thing is, like, you put it on a mana creature, right? Right. 
and then that's the combo. Like Bob Nexus is effectively a mana creature that doesn't die to a uh, wrath or a sweeper or right, whatever. Right, right, gotcha. And you know, blink, blink moth, sort of feast and famine is fine if they're like killing all your creatures anyway. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, this is weird. I would have to spend more time with this and really suss out what it's upgrading. But like I said, you get two game plans, and that's a big deal for a combo deck. Uh, Knight of the Reliquary, but no like Ghost Quarter or anything. That's kind of weird too. Yeah, maybe a Bajuka Bug or two. Yeah, maybe not two. That's 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 a lot, man. That's far. We saw it before. Anything can happen these days. I know. Uh, next up, Jason C thirty four with Tron four relics main deck. Super smart. Gigantha. Sure. Why not? If it's free, it's me. Free Gigantha. Enjoy. It's, it's not free. It costs you a sideboard card. That could be another Veil of Summer or whatever. Nope. No, I I just am I am not receptive to this argument. I think the eighth card in your hand matters so much more than that sideboard slot over and over and over. And I get Gigantha shouldn't matter for this deck, but I just think you will find so many spots where it does, and it's so not for me. There, a lot. there are games where you're facing disruption and you get to the point where you're like casting Thrag Tusks and stuff. So I think that casting Gigantha could actually matter. This mana can't be spent to pay generic mana cost. Well, that's pretty bad for Gigantha. That's that's a strike against. Just a five five. Just a five five here, basically. I mean, you can you know do a, a couple things. You can cast your ancient stirrings or whatever, but probably not happening. I was thinking like, oh, if this ramps to Ulamog, that could be tight. But yeah, just eh, I I don't like it. Whatever, man. I think it's good. Elbow soap, Lotus Bloom, Pentad Prism, Heartless Summoning Garuda. I like this take. This is this yep. is smart. Best take on Garuda I've seen thus far as a pure combo deck. I have no idea if this is viable and it doesn't seem better than a whole lot. And it has a fizzle rate built into it and no real B plan. Although we're getting close. Like you can copy something from your opponent with the Phyrexian Metamorph and maybe beat down. It seems doubtful though. Yeah. And on the whole though, this is the best setup I've seen for uh, these Garuda decks. Four Cavern Souls, four Gemstone Caverns. Very smart. I love it. Yes. Yes. Both very good. Liliana the Vess or Abzan. This one with Astrolabe and also two copies of Deadweight, two Unearth. Uh, pretty normal. Just Confidant and Tarmogoy for, for beaters and Lingering Souls, I guess, if you want to count that, even though I think it's just a nope. brick. Uh, yes. No so more Lingering Souls. They're banned. Sideboard also has uh, two copies of Empty the Pits, which is wild. And huh. uh, also uh, two Witches Cottage in the mana base. I, li- I like the Witches Cottage. That might be good. Oh, that's a good Loris rebuy. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is you have to play a bunch of swamps, right? But uh, they've they've done this. Oh, I should put this in my mono black deck. This is actually a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah, this is... So I was like using... Mystic Sanctuary to put Unearth back, but this this might just be better. No, yeah, this skips a step. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. I like that. Agreed. Ben Jaminable Dredge. Boring. Next. Dog Mac Mister. Uh Thos's Oracle Ad nauseum. Mm, it, it is pretty good right now. But next. It, We've seen Ad nauseum a yeah. bunch of times. Test Dummy 54. I wonder if 1 through 53 were taken. Uh, Bogles Bogles with Luris. Cool. Kind of the same setup as Infect, but better against Burn. So that's cool. I mean, that's a widely played deck right now. How Bid Tron. 80 cards. 
Emery, Gilded Goose, Ice Fang, Uro, Urza, Wall of Blossoms, Abundant Growth, hell yeah, and then Kinnon. Kinnon is uh, kind of scary. Yeah, this does a lot for your mana base. All those Mox Ambers, uh, Arkham's Astrolabe getting completely juiced up. Doesn't work with Urza, unfortunately, but there are good applications for this card. And this is what I like from the Urian decks. I, I think just like blinking in Urza is so preposterous. And you get both the Uro and Urza setups because your deck size is larger. And, you know, you're you're not sad to play an Ice Fang Coatl as a potential Urian target. You want to play that anyway. Blinking Emery is fine. Blinking Gilded Goose is fine. Obviously, these abundant growths have made their way into mana bases. And I tweeted out. This is the first magic card I have bought in months. I bought foil <laughs> abundant growths and I haven't, I haven't bought them in ages. And this was the card that broke me and I just had to have. Well, you know, you know, the price of that is going up, so it's fine. I would assume so, but I just wanted to have them because this is exactly the type of nonsense I would like to get up to. Although I don't, I don't own Uros yet. I have not played a live tournament since this mm. card has been released. So what, I will have to acquire those at some point. What did I play in that? I mean, oh, I played uh, Team Rec at PT Phoenix in a PTQ for one round. Okay. That's, that's why I own Uros. Worth it. Great investment. I mean, it worked out for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I like I paid 35 for the a full art one. And I was nice. like, I was like, that's a lot. But, you know, this card is just going to be good everywhere. So whatever. Seems pretty good. Yep. Then we have Traft playing Jeskai, but instead of Geist of St. Traft, there's Alluris in the sideboard. So even the person who names their Magic Online screen name after presumably a Magic card can't can't be tempted to play it when Alluris is around. I mean, look how little this deck actually benefits from Alluris in terms of like what cards you're returning. And there's still no question that it's no. 100% right. No, no. I mean, that's my point. There's no question that you're 100% supposed to do this, and it has made the deck significantly better just by having four Mishra's Bauble, four Snapcaster Mage. That, that's, that's a big deal, man. That is a big deal. No, I, I agree. The impact is huge, but it's just eight magic cards in the entire deck yeah, that have yeah. any interaction with Luris, which is pretty mind-blowing. Right, but they're good ones. They are. Sandror, Collected Company, Aether Vile, 60-card humans with Safi, Renegade Rallier, and General Kudro. So some beatdowns, but some combos. Yeah, what's what's our infinite here? Uh, Zulaport Cutthroat. Okay. So like Safi, uh, well, actually, it's like Champion of the Parish Thalia's Lieutenant, right? Because like Rallier, Safi puts infinite creatures onto the battlefield. Why does it do? I, I'm just I'm just missing something. Talk me through it, please. I'm sure it's very obvious, and I'm being blind to something. But uh, maybe you need a sack outlet too. Right. That that's my thinking. But yeah. It, okay. So you, you need, have you have cartel aristocrat. Yeah. To have access to that. Okay. Yeah. So because the, the the thing doesn't die. The the old Project X thing. The thing used to just die automatically. Right. So. Okay, and then if you have Thalia's Lieutenant or Zulaport Cutthroat in play, you have either made infinitely large creatures or you've just killed your opponent. Right. Okay, or, or, now I'm there. Or with, with Kudro, you can exile your opponent's entire graveyard. Wow, now we're playing with power. Yeah. You just you have infinite Bajuka Bogs whenever you want them. And we don't get any companions by virtue of going down this combo route, huh? Nah, That's... but you get to play tight cards like Wiltleaf Liege and Riders of Gavany. Tight cards, he says. Tight, yeah. Sweet cards, not Sweet good cards. cards. 
Yeah. Punt, then wine, playing amulets with Karn. So is this just about shutting down like Arkham's Astrolabe? Is that what we're doing here? Bobbles? I don't know. I have no idea. Shutting down Bobbles seems pretty good. Karn Karn was making a comeback before Luris in these decks. Right. So I really couldn't tell you. I don't I don't think it seems good, but it, it does give you a different angle of attack, a, another threat. So it, it is a playable magic card. I just don't think it's ideal. Okay. Macro Cosmos, Utopia Sprawl. This one is Thundermaw Hellkite, not Glorybringer. Uh, but this is like, I don't know, red, green, haste on crop. Oh, okay. I, I get it. It's Obosh. Obosh. Yeah. yeah. Obosh in the sideboard. I'm used so to. We are, we are odd, Gruel. Yeah. I'm used to seeing the the pioneer ones where it's like very apparent that it is yeah. odd Gruel. And this one, I was just like, yeah, I guess we're just going like Lannery into Thundermaw or whatever. But yeah. This- there are some wild magic cards here and I, I don't know why. Like what? Death like- Gorge Scavenger? Yeah, and Captain Lannery Storm and On Crop Crasher. Like, I'm not saying they're bad magic cards. It's just I don't expect to see any of these cards in the modern context. Gruel, Spellbreaker, Thundermaw, Hellkite. Like, every single one of these cards has a close analog that you would expect to see more often, I think. I mean, I like... Playing- I guess we are, we do have three Glorybringers alongside the Thundermaw, Hellkite. Yeah. So I- we're just, we need six dragons. I mean, Death Gorge Scavenger is main deck graveyard hate. Yes. I would expect to see the haste creatures with Obosh. I especially like on crop crasher with Obosh, right? Cause you just want to connect with something. So that helps you get some stuff through Lannery ramps you from three to five. Yes. That's important. And I don't know. You're talking about like playing seasoned pyromancer instead or whatever. Like I don't, I don't really want that. Megas the moon don't care. I'm just trying to kill him. Just beat him down. Macrocosmos. Let's get it. It is a little weird too that like your best your textbook opener of Utopia Sprawl or Arbor Elf into Utopia Sprawl can't actually ever be utilized it's because you're mana. on deck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well. No, then you can uh I don't know, play like your Kessig Wolf run on that turn and use your oh, okay. turn one green mana to yeah, I don't know. Nice. Big or, payoffs. Yeah, your mountain. You could go you could go one drop into three drop. Yeah, of course. Congratulations. You've done it. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Stuckel, Bant, Ice Fang, Uro, Supreme Verdict. Oh, 80 cards. Abundant Growth, Omen of the Sea, you're in. Yeah, mostly, uh, but I don't know. I, it's, I it's, funny, it's funny how we started looking at the list and until I got to the enchantment section, I was just like, yeah, this is a normal deck. Right. You, you can't immediately tell. I will say that if I'm doing all this stuff, I'm just going to play Urza. Like Urza is such a ridiculously powerful card. I need a very good reason to pass on it and don't really see one with the cards contained here. Like if you believe these planeswalkers are particularly good, I guess that's what's selling you. But I don't think Jace the Mind Sculptor is a very good modern magic card and Teferi Hero of Dominaria feels much the same to me. I will give you that on Teferi. I still think Jace is fine. I mean, Jace plus Mystic Sanctuary Cryptic Command is very, very strong. Okay. And I mean, once you go to 80 cards, it's like, yeah, you you have some room to play some some bigger magic cards, right? Some hard card drawers. But yeah, maybe just going the Urza route is better. But then you're not all like counter spells and path to exiles and stuff, which seems like this person valued a little bit more than playing to the battlefield. Right. Why Principe? Princip? I don't know. Jund, Ren and Six, Seal of Fire, Mistress Bobble, Croxa. 
blurs out the board, obviously. Like the more streamlined builds right now, but uh, there's no question this is better than the old Jun list. Nice, oh, yeah. glorious upgrade. Yeah. I mean, this is better than Bloodbraid Jund, but Rakdos is probably better than this. I think so. Sultai, Hex Drinker, Mistress Bobble, Nile Spellbomb, one dead weight, one explosives, two unearths, uh, a bunch of cryptic commands. So I don't know, Luris, but people will keep playing creatures with it. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know that we picked up a lot with our stretch to uh, Sultai. It looks like a very medium version of other lists we've seen. So Cryptic Command in these decks don't really make much sense to me. Aaron Gomu playing 80 cards, similar to Stuckle's list, uh, except they are splashing Renin 6, but otherwise have, you know, spot removal, Supreme Verdict. I guess they went as far as like Lightning Bolt, Lightning Helix also. Yeah, more of a burn focus take. I, like, I kind of like that with Uro. Like you do close games pretty quickly, having that little bit of extra reach. I could see it being impactful. Sure. Mana symbol, 80 cards. Uh, this one is Renin 6, Ice Fang Coatle, Dead of Winter, some Drown in the Locks, Fatal Pushes, maxing on Abundant Growth, Arkham's Astrolabe, which I really like. I feel like if you're playing Urian, you should just have both of those cards. This deck maybe, maybe should have Luris's in the main deck. I saw one of the Legacy Urian decks do that setup, mm. and I actually thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Like recurring your Ice Fang Coatles is just fine. I wish there was a little bit more consistent way to make sure you're getting points off of it. But four Ren and Six start pushing you in that direction. Again, you kind of have to believe Ren and Six is a strong enough magic card where you're into it right now. And I don't know if I'm there yet. But if I was, then I would consider some main deck Lorises here. Sure. M. Hayashi. Uh, this is Prowess Burn, but with Bobble, Seal of Fire, Path to Exile, and Luris in the board. Cool. I am less excited about main deck path to exile, but I guess if there's a bunch of arrows around, you could sell me on it. So maybe that's what these decks have to do now. Well, I also think that with the prowess threats and Luris as an engine, you can make the case for having hard removal to get rid of Goyf and Dashetta, which are otherwise going to brick wall you because you're able to play this longer game now. You think you have some cards to give, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have Luris, right? So like you're up a card right. already. Yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. Uh, now we have the best deck list I've ever seen in my life from i9k, and that is uh, Demir Luris Control. I tweeted about this because this is my account. Okay, so I have nothing to say. Tell us why this deck is good. I don't know. It's gas. You just counter all their spells. Okay, done. Next deck. No, uh, I mean, that that makes sense to me. I mean, why do you feel counter magic makes sense in the format as it's set up right now? Uh, I don't necessarily, but I knew that I wanted to play a Luris control deck. And okay. this is kind of where going down that rabbit hole brought me, where I knew that I wanted to play Thought Scour. And since I was playing Thought Scour, it's like, well, Drowning the Lock is going to be pretty good. And I could either just play like two copies or I could go super hard on it, you know? And I sketched out both a list with and without it. And the one with it, just looked very, very solid to me to the point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to like lean on this. And I do want to thought scour both me and my opponent, but like I'll start with them and then, you know, finish off with me at some point if I need to. But yeah, just countering all their stuff and then having this engine waiting for you is just incredible. And then Drown in the Lock is also a card that just like lets you play like Luris and have hard counter spell open on, on turn five after you bring back a Mistress Bobble. And that's just game over right there. Hard to argue with that. This is a very 
you deck. Uh, the margins seem very slim. Go. It's also a very me deck in the yeah. fact that you have very few ways to win the game, which I am all about. Go look at the thread because it's it's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, I, I think you've seen a lot of it already, but like for people who haven't seen it, like I tweeted about this deck and there were so, I mean, so many people like asking the same questions where it's just like, you know, is... Creeping Tar Pit? Creeping yeah. Tar Pit, anyone? Is, is Astrolabe worth it? Can you play more win conditions? And it's like, these are all like reasonable questions, right? But they're like, how do you win games? And it's like, just eventually you kill them with Luris. That's fine. And if you always the right answer, if you if you play Luris, something goes wrong, your Luris dies. Well, eventually you find the one copy of Unearth and then you Mystic Sanctuary or Snapcaster it back and then you get your Luris back. So you're you're, you never run out of Luris in this deck. You just don't like that is your end game. It is inevitable. You are going to win the game. This deck seems like it would have a nightmare of a time with like Leyline of the Void or other similar just hard graveyard hate, which is weird because like. Not a ton about this setup screams super vulnerable to graveyard hate, but I, I just don't think you can win games through graveyard hate. Uh, if if it sticks around, no, but you, like you have cryptic command to bounce, and then you can rebuild from there. A lot of your cards get sh- shut off by it for sure, including drown in the lock. If it's something like rest in peace, and that is backbreaking. Rest in peace is nightmare, nightmare card. Yeah, absolutely nightmare. I mean, if you have cryptic and the time. To, to do that and then you get to like snare it or whatever, counter it on the way back down, then that's great. But like, because of the hard graveyard hate stuff, I found myself keeping Enforce of Negation against decks that I wouldn't otherwise mm. just because I'm like, well, I, I have to counter uh, even like a Graft Digger's Cage or whatever. I mean, Nile Spellbomb is is kind of whatever, right? It doesn't really matter all that much. Sure. Uh, like the one-shot stuff is fine. But yeah, rest in peace. If it stays on the battlefield, uh, your deck just doesn't do anything. So, you know, maybe, maybe I need some other different threat or whatever but for the most part once i knew that that stuff existed i was able to play around it effectively like there's there's just enough counter magic man like you just get to counter all their stuff and it's great you're speaking my language uh so i i would definitely play this i would recommend it going forward i i didn't use a lot of the cards in my sideboard because they're all fairly narrow hammers so i would maybe switch that around a little bit would probably play in explosives in my sideboard too, just because it's like an extra mm. removal spell that's also fine with Luris. And you can even like put it on weird numbers with Astrolabe. Uh, and I would also just play a third spell snare. I think this is a really good spell snare format because of Luris, right? Like everyone is leaning on very cheap cards and that usually right. includes playing the most impactful two mana cards. So spell snare is actually great right now. All sounds good. Definitely also putting this on my list of two plays. Shout outs to Card Hoarder for loaning me the 50 ticket Mishra Bobbles. Love Card Hoarder, especially at moments when prices have gone absolutely absurd for some of these cards. You understand why every deck needs Mishra's Bobbles now. But of course, our good friends at Card Hoarder hook us up with some nice accounts to play all these formats on and keep us informed so we can talk to you about them. Charlie, GWA, uh, Grixis, Luris, but with Delver instead of... Uh, Death Shadow. So Delver, Sprite Dragon, couple copies of Snapcaster Mage. Twenty six cards to flip a Delver. We're it's not, it's getting not a close. Lot. It's not a lot. We're getting you, close. You can also like you know bobble fetch land or whatever. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not good. It's not good. I want it to be though. Can it be? Can we just pretend like it is for a little while? I mean, you could probably play more cantrips and cut some lands, right? Deck has four force of negations, man. Like you can cut some lands. 
I would try to because the day that Delver is actually a viable deck in modern, I think will be a happy day for all of us. I know there's Delver haters out there, but I just think it's such a good balancing force to a very powerful format. Like its effect on legacy is so, so important to keeping that format reasonable. Maybe someday it can have its influence over modern as well. Well, spoiler, there's there's a deck at the end that has Nimble Mongoose in it. So, Oh, wow. We're going that far. Huh? <laughs> uh, Mr. Rabe, 80 cards. This one is wild. This is Valakut with some Summoners Pact and like a Primeval Titan, a Dryad, Renin Six, Cryptic Command. This this deck is wild. You have to look at it. I'm looking at it. No, not you. Like the 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 listener, you know, like in case they're not actually following along with us, it's like I can't I can't give you the scope of this deck without you actually looking at it. Well, I was gonna say I am looking at it, and I still don't understand the scope of this deck. So I can join listeners in not quite understanding what's going on here. Uh, it seems like a lot of very separate plans to me. I mean, like Cryptic Command. And feel the dead setups are cool. I I really like these in general, but some of the cards are so strange to me. Like Ice Fang Quaddle, Magma Spray. It just seems like you could do this so much more linear. And if like if those cards don't matter against your opponent, you're just doomed. And you could draw a portion of your deck that is just stone blanks over and over. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting to think about. Uh, like scape shift decks with Urian because then you can play uh, a bunch of like good lands and still have all the mountains in your deck, you know, like that's, that's interesting. I don't think this is the way I would go about doing it with like this mini summoners packed uh, toolbox and stuff, but it is definitely interesting to think about. And it wasn't on my radar before. Well, I will tell you, I am very angry with you right now because if you had read my article about the top 10 cards in modern when I included Urian on my list and said one of the points that definitely should be checked out was Urian Scapeshift decks for exactly that reason. So if you're not going to read the articles, I mean, I I can lead a horse to water. I can't make you drink, Gerald. Word. Yeah, at that at that time, I was like, I don't even care. It's all Luris. That's all. That's all I want in my life. (laughs) Well, it was the number one card on my list. So at least I got that one right. Smart. Yeah. Elf MTG. This is normal infect with no friendo, no companion. Done. Get it out of here. All right. Rock underscore star. This is Urza with no Urza because obviously you want to play a Luris to go with your Doctor Foundry and Sword of the Meek. Okay. So this this is kind, kind of this is kind of dope because it's pretty similar to the deck that I played, except they're also doing Thopter Sword stuff, which obviously I support. I can get behind that. I don't, yeah, we all I, know you're a big Thopter Sword fan. I don't think it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, they, they have Archmage's Charm, Cryptic Command, Drowning the Lock, Metallic Rebuke, which is sweet. I, I probably could have played like a copy of Rebuke in my deck. Man, I want this deck to be good so badly. I, I have long been underwhelmed with sort of the Meek Thopter Foundry in modern. It just tends to not matter matter all that often. And this deck feels like it's banking on it a little bit too hard for my liking. But like you said, there's a lot of similarities between your deck and this deck. It's just your deck will do all the good game plans much more consistently than this deck will. Right. Uh, also, so like I played an end of the story in my deck. And after playing with it, I was like, maybe this should just be like a thirst for knowledge because I have eight artifacts that are good. And then maybe I could play an explosives to give me a ninth. And even just like draw three, you know, filter two 
crappy cards away might be good enough. And I mean, certainly for a deck like this, like if you're looking for like a hard card drawer or a card filtering thing, like you have enough artifacts for thirst. So that's something yeah. that you could do. Way more realistic with Snapcaster Mage, obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I did snap into you, the story. You don't get the discount. You don't get the discount with Into the Story though, right? No, you do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, My mistake. I snapped into the story once. It was like, I mean, I had already resolved into the story, so it was completely trivial, but it was like, well, sure. I have six cards. You didn't do anything. I guess I'll Snapcaster this at your end step or whatever. So you can, you can do that, and it's a little bit more effective, but it's usually just completely unnecessary. Sure. Hell Monkey, 80 card, Niv-Mizzet, Urian stuff. This was another deck I wrote about in my article when I was saying, what can you do with Urian? Niv-Mizzet makes sense. Less because like you actually want to blink a Niv-Mizzet, although obviously you win if that's the case. Game. More because these decks benefit from having a pretty wide selection pool for your bring-to-light targets. Like The tutor game is very important for Niv-Mizzet. So I like this. This is a cool looking list. Some of the one ofs blow my mind and I don't know how we got here, but uh, reborn hope. That's one of them. And I haven't seen the Johnny Vengeant in I don't know how long. And I used to love this card. Like this is when I really got into competitive magic was when a Johnny Vengeant was a meaningful magic card. Uh, and I was all about this one. God, I, I blew it against Ari Lax in a limited PTQ top four when he had an Johnny played so bad still haunts you to this day it, it does dude that that was that was a tough one that was that was one of the the big moments in my life where i was like i need to get my head out of my ass that was just an embarrassment <laughs> that's when you got it all together in that moment uh 603 leb amulet normal normal amulet yeah don't have much to say here i've never liked primal command but whatever yeah no karn Brainstorm 39, 80 cards, Cryptic Command, Lightning Bolt. I don't know. This is like just guys splashing some Ice Fangs to go with the Urians. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the Lightning Helix, Lightning Bolt stuff, unless you have some way to close games quickly. Like I think that's where you benefit from having that little bit of extra, extra reach. And there's not even like Celestial Colonnades here. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you should play Celestial Colonnade. I think that card has rightfully died a death, but it's really hard to benefit from the reach that a lot of these cards provide you without some way of closing a game a little bit more quickly than this deck does. I mean, that that Ice Fang damage adds up, man. I don't know. Over 20 turns, it sure does. And finally, we have Jord de Titter. I don't know. There's, there's, there's some separation in these letters that would probably form... Jordy to I would say Jordy Tator would be my okay. guess. Uh Sultai, Luris, Delver, Mongoose, Tarmogoyf, Bobble, 25 cards for Delver. I don't they know. Just need some more cards. There needs to be more of them. We're so close. Is Nimble Mongoose a good magic card in modern? It can't be, right? I don't think so. Thought Scour certainly makes it more palatable, as does Luris, but I don't like if if you are going to play against a bunch of Luris mirrors that are all relying on spot removal. I mean, Nimble Mongoose is going to live and it's going to kill people. Yeah, theoretically, if its sizing works out, like there's certainly no, a bunch you, of creatures in modern that just like think, brick think wall this thing forever. Yeah, think about it though. Like if you're playing like a shadow mirror, right? It's it's very often who gets to stick the last threat. Uh, but there are definitely games that go on for forever because it's like. 
both players have two fatal pushes in their hand or whatever. And then it's whoever draws like the Liliana or whatever sort of game breaker exists. And in this case, Mongoose, once it's on the battlefield, is going to stay there. And both players are going to have two fatal pushes in their hand or whatever. And then that like dramatically favors the Mongoose player, right? I, f- I feel like I was, I was totally with you and on board for this argument prior to the release of Ikoria. And the way you described a shadow mirror, 100%, that's how it was going down. Does it still go down that way? Uh, I mean, I imagine they go like Luris play a shadow and you're like, kill both of them. And then you go Luris play a mongoose and then that helps your cause. I guess so. I just think like you're probably going to put yourself in a position where if you are casting the Luris, it's like there's no more running out of resources is my, is my entire point. Like, I don't think that spot where you're staring at each other and you've thrown everything off. Like if you are at a spot where you're playing Luris death shadow, they might be able to kill the Luris. But I think the death shadow is sticking nine times out of 10 in that scenario. Uh, that's, that's not really how the games have played out, but that, you know, again, like my sample size is relatively small, but I do think that it is pretty normal for both players to like exhaust their Luris and whatever they get off the Luris and then continue staring at each other. And it's, it's a matter of like who draws like the K command or the unearth basically and gets to resolve it. So first Luris is no good. It's about the second Luris instead. Yeah, pretty much. That's a good, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. In that scenario, then I, I understand what you're saying, for sure. Yeah, the goose is loose. Love when the goose is loose. At the end of every episode, we solicit the fine folks in our Discord for their burning questions. They knew we were talking about modern, and uh, Brian told them to ask their best modern-related questions. And the question that we select gets a fine enamel arena deckless pin. And the question this week comes from Drew Pendergast, AKA the Duffalo. Is this a top 10 or better limited format for you? I figured since it's a modern episode, but you really wanted to be a limited episode and Drew knew that I could just ask you that and I'll, I'll just chill. Oh man. I would, I mean, I have to like check my personal rankings. My expectation is this probably sits outside the top 10, because like I said, I think there are some games that are a little bit deterministic and there is the repetitive play issue of the companions. But like I said, so much of the sauce of this format for me is in the deck building drafting portion. And honestly, like I am a pretty harsh judge of my own magic skills. I think a lot of the time, maybe fairly so in most instances, but I I tend not to overinflate how good I am at the game. I do think I'm very good at draft. And the reason I am so good at draft is because of how I draft and how I build decks in the format. Like my play doesn't automatically get better because I'm in draft. Like I'm still an idiot and miss obvious things all the time. That doesn't go away with the draft format. It's just, I understand very well how to comprise a deck basically in the spur of the moment. And that tracks to constructed as well. Like that's where all of my successes have been good deck selection, good deck building. And I get to apply that over and over in the draft format. So the fact that this format does feel so draft deck building dependent to me means it's going to be way higher on my personal rankings than maybe it deserves. Like I think there are fair criticisms of this format. I've just loved it a lot though. And I hope everyone else is having the same experience. I, I want to find some way to talk more about it because I do think a lot of people are moving into draft right now with the addition of live drafts to arena. It's, 
I mean, it's a monumental upgrade. There's really no comparison between bot drafting and human drafting. It's completely different. And despite some frustrating elements of this format, and we haven't mentioned the cycling deck yet, like the cycling deck is very stupid, like two points too good, I would say. And the snare tactician endgames are frustrating. And then there's Zenith Flare on top of it. So that is the one huge strike against the format that probably keeps it out of the top 10 range for me. Uh, but there's still good stuff going on. And I hope that I get the, chan- get the chance to have some conversations about this format before it's over. Cool. I have nothing to add. Thank you. Thank you for letting me say my piece. Uh, I'll, I'll say that's game if you want. Does Please that, do. Does that make us even? Yep. Nice. That's game. Good luck.